Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, we love the Bible, so let's get our Bibles out. We're again talking about building the church and how Jesus wants to build the church. So let's see, where do we want to go? Uh, where do you want to go, Lord? Who cares where I want to go? Let's go where you want to go. If you got your Bibles, come on, let's open them up to Luke chapter 24. Woo! Luke 24, Version Bible app. You got some sermon notes available in there. We are locked for a teaching today on Holy Spirit and what Jesus wants to do through Holy Spirit and building the church. Our production team is ready. We have 120 slides ready of scriptures. So if you think we don't have material, you are sadly mistaken. So if you've had lunch prepared, forget it. I'm just kidding. Some of you knew. You're like nervous. <laughs> now, we'll be out eventually. But I... <laughs> they're still nervous, Chad. Don't joke around. But talking about building, uh, building the church... And I talked about Matthew 28, I'm not going to go there for time's sake in this service, but Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. When he said make disciples, he wasn't talking about make church attenders, right? He was talking about making followers of Jesus. There's a difference. We're not trying to just grow a church. We're trying to grow you, the church. You can have thousands of people in a room and they not be grown. And they not be disciples. So we want to have thousands of people in the room, but thousands of people that are disciples of Jesus. This is a big difference. And so this is what we're praying into, that God show us how to do a better job of making disciples. And part of it is just teaching people what a disciple is, what it looks like. Because some people have been taught church their whole life, and they think that's good. But there's more to it than just coming to church. A disciple is someone who conforms their life to the teachings of Jesus. That their life is led by Jesus. That's a disciple. And so that's what we're going after. So Matthew chapter 28, I call that the great, or I don't call that, everybody calls it the great commission. The great commission. And so in Luke 24, I want to read another version of the great commission, but I call this the great omission. Because this is omitted in a lot of churches' teaching. And so we want to bring it to bear. We want to bring it to life. Maybe you've never heard this before, so I encourage you, take notes, follow along, uh, get the scriptures down, go back, watch it later, because you're going to need more than one trip through this one, because you need to hear what God's saying. We're going to walk through the Bible so you don't think it's something I'm just making up. Don't trust me, trust the Bible. Jesus assigned us here at the Rhodes Church to make disciples who are empowered with the Holy Spirit to live the way he intended us to live on earth and to prepare us for eternity. So that's what we're trying to do. So in Luke 24, I'm going to read verse 49. Matthew 28, Great Commission, Luke 24, because he said Matthew 28, go, in, 20, in uh, 24, 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise. Everybody say the promise. The promise. Remember this language. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Upon you is important. I send the promise of my Father. This is Jesus talking. It's in the rip. I send the promise of my Father. Where's the promise coming from? It's from my Father, but Jesus is sending him. Jesus is sending the promise, capital P, upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. 
So he said, listen, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, but hold on, pump the brakes. Before you go, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Why do we need to wait in Jerusalem? We need to go. We've got to make disciples. We've got to make disciples. Yeah, wait. Wait. Don't go make disciples until you're clothed with power. So if Jesus said, wait, you're going to need the promise of the Father because you're going to need power. How many knows Jesus knows what he's talking about? Jesus knows more than my denomination knows. Jesus knows more than any pastor knows. Jesus said, you're going to need the promise of the Father to come upon you because you're going to need to be clothed with power to do what I want you to do. We clear? So this is what he's saying. So this is what I call the great omission because not a lot of people are talking about, wait a minute, you got to wait in Jerusalem. Stay there till you get power from on high. They're talking about, ah, let's just go make converts. Go make converts. Eh, I'm all for making converts, but we need to be clothed with power to make converts. So now, the promise included power from where? Power from on high. So before we go, we need to be clothed with power from him. So this is what he's wanting to give us. He's wanting to give us the promise of the Father. So what is the promise of the Father? The promise of my Father upon you, we talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't go back in, is talking about Holy Spirit. That Jesus said in John 16, is to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. And he's going to be better, because he's not only going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. So Jesus had a plan. He had a plan. We're going to take everything that's in me, and we're going to spread it out in all of you. That's a pretty good deal. Jesus, one person, filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, you know what? I want to take the same Spirit that raised me from the dead. Romans chapter 8, and I want to put him in all of you, and then all of you can operate like me. I've got four people that believe that's possible. That's just what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. So now, the work of the Holy Spirit. So the, if he told them to wait on the Holy Spirit, why did he tell them to wait on the Holy Spirit if they already had the Holy Spirit? Why would he say wait until, you're, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Because we read last week in John chapter 20 where Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that was before this. So why would they need to wait on the Holy Spirit if he also said, receive the Holy Spirit when he breathed on them? Isn't that a great question? I think it's a great question. Well, the answer, I think, I'll explain it to you how I see it, is the Bible gives the Holy Spirit two different functions in our life. First one. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There is a work of Holy Spirit in the new birth when we get born again. When we get saved, if you will, that's a common terminology. When we get born again, when we become a new creation, old things passed away, behold, all things become new, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When that happens, when that moment happens, there is a work of the Holy Spirit involved. This is why... Uh, we're going to make disciples. We need to talk to people about when did you get born again? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Well, I've been going to church my whole life. Urgh, stop. That's not what I ask. Yeah. When did you get born again? Tell me your testimony of how you encountered Jesus. Well, I, 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 there should be a moment in our life where I was this way, I met Jesus, and I became a different person. That's getting born again. He told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. 
So now, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit, look what happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one, flesh body we're talking about, he's making a comparison. As the flesh body is one and has many members, arms, legs, fingers, toes. But all the members of that one body being many are one body. So I have one body, but I've got fingers, toes, you get the point. So also is Christ. So also is the body of Christ. Look at verse 13. For by, pay attention to the word by, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body of Christ. So here's what we're talking about. What does the Holy Spirit do when we're born again? When we're born again, we could go to Titus chapter 3 also. It talks about the Spirit regenerates our dead spirit. Before you get born again, before you're saved, you are dead. What an encouraging word from a pastor. It's truth. And the problem is enough people aren't hearing that. Jesus, well, it was Jesus, but in the garden, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit... He said, the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Were they still breathing? Yes. What was dead? Their spirit. They were dead to God. So now, when we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in and regenerates or makes alive our dead spirit, and we become a new creation in Christ. So when you get saved... Is the Holy Spirit involved when I'm saying yes? He comes in and makes my dead spirit alive to God. He makes it new. The power of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, remember, I'm just going into a lot of basics here, sorry. But like, remember the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, waiting for the word of God before he created the earth. Let there be light. Bam, the Holy Spirit made light. Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's the power. It's the demonstration. So when I get born again, the Holy Spirit makes my dead spirit alive. So Holy Spirit is at work. But look who's baptizing me into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit immerses me into the body of Christ. So who is the baptizer when we get born again? Who's baptizing us into the body of Christ? Holy Spirit, according to the Bible. I didn't ask your doctrine. The Bible says, by one spirit, by, by, who's doing it? Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. We get born again through Holy Spirit. I thought I asked Jesus into my heart. Don't get concerned. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is one who paid the price on the cross. Jesus is one who causes forgiveness of sin. But the Holy Spirit is at work. That's why it's important for us to teach the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one at work in salvation in regenerating our old dead spirit. Does that make sense? All right, so he's the baptizer into the body of Christ. Who's doing, his, who's doing the baptism into the Holy Spirit? Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. So if Holy Spirit's baptizing me in the body of Christ, Matthew chapter 3, verse, did I say 1? Verse 11. Verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. John the Baptist I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, who's the he, capital H? Jesus. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John says, I'm baptizing into water under repentance. That's my job. I'm baptizing you into uh, repentance. But Jesus is coming, and he will baptize you into Holy Spirit and fire. So who's doing the baptizing into Holy Spirit and fire? Jesus. Holy Spirit baptized in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Jesus baptizing us into Holy Spirit. This is a mutual relationship of the Trinity. They're in such unity. Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to meet Jesus. I immerse you into the body of Christ. Jesus says, oh, well, I want you to meet my friend Holy Spirit. He immerses us into Holy Spirit. So now go to Mark chapter 1. So you see it in Matthew chapter 3. Let's see if it's in more of the Gospels. Let's not just take one scripture and build a whole doctrine on it. Let's find multiple scriptures. How do you, how do you like that? Mark chapter 1, look at verse 7. This is John the Baptist again. John the Baptist seems to be in favor of this baptizing in Holy Spirit. And he preached saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Matthew and Mark. Surely it's not in Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 3. This is why we build doctrine on multiple scriptures and not on one taken out of context. John, uh, Luke chapter 3, look at verse 16. Again, that's why I'm going to lay a foundation of a lot of scriptures today because I believe a lot of people listening have never heard this before and you need to be taught the word of God and build your belief system on, on the word and not based on what somebody told you we do or don't believe. Luke chapter 3 verse 16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. Okay, I'm picking up a theme. John the Baptist baptized with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus is going to be the baptizer with Holy Spirit and fire. Is there a baptism with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And who's doing that baptism? Jesus. Well, we got one more book of the gospel. Surely it's not in all four. It can't be. Only certain very, very, very important things are in all four gospels. You need to know this about the Bible. I'm not just joking around. Very few things are listed in all four of the gospel. Only very important things make it to all four. John chapter 1, verse 32. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending... And remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. My Lord. All four Gospels. John the Baptist says that Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That sounds like sound biblical foundation. That Jesus baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. I know some of you are processing. That's quite all right. This is why he said, wait on the promise of the Father. Now go to Acts chapter 1. So Luke, we know written by Luke. 
said, wait on the promise of the Father until so, you're endued with power from on high. So let's go to Acts. Remember, Acts is written by Luke, so it's like second Luke. So Luke 24 rolls right into Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 4. So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all saying that Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. And being assembled together with them. So check this out. Get yourself in, the, in this uh, scenario. Jesus is hanging out with all the people. This is after the resurrection. He'd been seen by them uh, in verse 3 for 40 days. And so he starts teaching them about the kingdom of God. And this is what he's starting to teach them about. He gets, he's gathered together, and he's, he said, uh, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. In other words, I've been telling you about this promise of the Father. I've been telling you about Holy Spirit coming, so I want you to go, and I want you to wait. Okay, Jesus is saying this again in Acts. Wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. Verse 5. So what is this promise he's talking about? What is he referring to? Well, what's the next thing he says after he talks about the promise? For John truly baptized with water. Does that sound familiar? That we just saw it in all four of the Gospels that John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So now Jesus himself says, hey, remember when I told you about waiting for the promise of the Father? And remember when John the Baptist said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now? Jesus was putting his stamp of approval on what John the Baptist had just said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He had just said, you know what John the Baptist said that all you guys wrote down in all of your Gospels? Well, it's going to happen. Not many days from now, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now? How many days would it be? Well, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? When you, when you, bring, when you baptize with the Holy Spirit, is that when we're going to take over and take out the Romans? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but here's what I can tell you about the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you about the end times and when those things are going to happen and when I'm going to restore my kingdom. I'm not here talking about that. But let's keep it on the subject, disciples. You notice how they kind of got off the rails? They took up the subject. They wanted to talk about what they wanted to talk about. And Jesus said, let's stay focused. I can't talk to you about the times or seasons which the Lord has, the Father has in his authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. You shall receive power when? when? When are we going to receive power? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Same language, come upon. There's a difference in what the Holy Spirit does in us at born again and when he comes upon. There is a Holy Spirit coming upon us that's different than what Holy Spirit does when we get born again. He says, when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive what? You will receive power. But who's the one that's coming upon us? It's Holy Spirit coming upon us. It's not power coming upon us. It's Holy Spirit is coming upon us. Here's where people have got it twisted. They've wanted the power without the person. I just want the power of Holy Spirit. I just want power. I, yeah, more power, more power. He said, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And when he comes upon you, you will get power, but you want him. The focus is the person of Holy Spirit coming upon you, not the power that comes with him. Why is that important? Because people start getting weird. 
They start focusing on the effects of Holy Spirit and don't desire Holy Spirit himself. They just want what he will do. Turns into a dog and pony show of like, well, I can perform this and perform that and have no relationship with Holy Spirit. We don't want to be that way. We want Holy Spirit. So he says, your power is going to come upon you and, and you're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, all, uh, and to the end of the earth. So what did they do after this power comes upon them? There's a power available. Here's what we need to remember. There's a power available to us that is greater than us that the enemy does not want us tapping into. The devil does not want the church, the bride of Christ, the body of believers to tap into the power of Holy Spirit. He doesn't want it so much that he will go to great lengths to teach people not to believe in Holy Spirit. He will go into great lengths to cause people to teach that that's passed away and that's no longer for us today. He will do whatever he can to keep you scared and away from, oh, that Holy Spirit, that's for those people, I'm fine. We're not fine without Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait till you get empowered with the Holy Spirit. When they had that, when he told them to wait, he wasn't talking to Pentecostal people. He was talking to everybody. He was talking to all the followers of Jesus do not go make disciples until you're clothed with power from on high. So who needs power of Holy Spirit? Everybody. Well, we don't believe in that. Who's we? Who's we? Get away from we. Get into the Bible. The en enemy will teach people that's passed away, and, and we've got we've to watch for that. There's, there's people that even teach that the power of the Holy Spirit was only for the disciples. And it was like a big rocket ship in the New Testament that the church was being launched. And you know how when a rocket get up, gets up so high, then those big rockets fall off. And, they, and they, they said that's what the Holy Spirit was. Just these big things to get the church started. And once the church started, then the gifts and all the things of the Holy Spirit fell off. Where did that happen? Where's that in your Bible that there's a rocket ship of Holy Spirit launching and big things fall off? I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm just saying that's what they're, this teaching's happening in the church. And people are going their whole life and never heard this sermon. I'm like, it's basic. It's not weird. It's not for wackos, for wild people. It's basic. All four gospels say we need to be baptized in Holy Spirit. So we're just kind of tearing down some walls with this. So what did they do? Well, he said, well, you're going to be baptized not many days from now. So let's look on uh, chapter 1, go down to verse 12. What should they be doing while they're waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit to come? Well, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up, this, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zealot, Judas, son. I'm thinking of a song I learned when I was a kid. Verse 14. Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, his being Jesus. So whenever Jesus said, hey, wait for the promise of the Father, what did they do while they're waiting on the promise of the Father? They went and prayed. This is why, church, we need to pray Pray, pray, come and pray one time a week. Pick Monday night, Saturday night, six to seven. Come and pray with one accord. What are we praying for? We're praying for the power of Holy Spirit to come upon us because what we have is not enough. 
What I have is not enough. I need more. I'm praying for a greater move of Holy Spirit to transform our region, to transform lives, to transform people to come to know Jesus. We need more of Holy Spirit. They were praying in one accord for what Jesus had told them. The power of the Holy Spirit's coming. This is what we need to be praying for. This is why you need to come and pray. Well, I, I don't have to pray. Yes, we need to pray. In one accord, there's unity around this goal that we're praying. Verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of names was about 120. The reason I highlight that, how many people were in the upper room praying for the move of God? How many? 120. 120. Is that the original 12? No. Where's the 12? They said it did away with the disciples. Which disciples? If the gifts of the Spirit passed away with the disciples, which disciples are we talking about? We talking about the 12? We talking about the 120? There's 120 people in this room. Jesus appeared to 500. 380 of them have already split. 380 of them couldn't wait. They wanted to go do the, the Great Commission without the power. But 120 of them stayed. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. They were all waiting on the, what the Holy Spirit had for them. Now look at verse cha uh, chapter 2, go to verse 1. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. i got to explain a couple things. I never want to take anything for granted. The day of Pentecost doesn't mean this is Pentecostal church. The day of Pentecost, Penta means 550, so Penta was 50 days after Passover. So this is 50 days after Jesus' death. It's when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all in one accord, still in one accord, praying. How long have they been there? How long have they been praying? Well, Jesus appeared for them to appear to them for 40 days at least, the Bible says. And this is the 50th day. So now that tells me that at least somewhere, depending on resurrection, how long in the grave, at least a week to 10 days they have been praying. One accord. For seven to ten days praying. If I ask us to stop and pray in accord for the next seven minutes, people would freak out. Phones would be pulled out. They'd start scrolling because seven minutes we can't pray. They prayed for seven days. Folks, this is what we're talking about, making disciples. We're not ma making just sugar-coated church people. We're talking about making disciples, and disciples pray. They pray. We're praying for the move of God. So they prayed. They were all in one accord. What were they praying for? They're praying for the promise of the Father. And suddenly, verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Where did it come from? Heaven. Jesus said, I will send you the promise of the Father from heaven. So that suddenly the sound came from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. <sighs> That's my rushing mighty wind. And it filled, everybody say filled. The whole house where they were sitting. The whole house. They were in the upper room, but it filled the whole house. Then they appeared to them, then there appeared to them divided tongues or individual tongues as of fire. Don't, when you see the word tongues, don't think the thing in your mouth. Individual flames of fire is what it was. So it's saying that when the sound came, they're in there praying. Remember, 120 of them in a room. 
and they're praying for the promise of the Father to come upon them. We're praying, oh Jesus, we thank you that you told us the promise of the Father was coming. We're just praying for the, we pray for the promise. We're not moving out of here until we get the promise of the Father. We're praying we'd be endued with power from on high. Come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Here comes the wind. All of a sudden flames, individual flames of fire begin to set upon each of them. How many of them? Each of them, or all of them, depending on your translation. Each of them. How many were in the room? 120. How many of them had a flame setting upon each of them? 120 of them. All of them. It wasn't selective. It wasn't like, well, Holy Spirit's for certain people, but it's not for me. That's a lie. That's a lie that's been taught. Well, that's not for me. Maybe that's for you, but 120 people, it fell on each of them. It was for all. All of them set upon each of them, and verse 4, and they were all, how many? All filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Is every one, 120 of them, were they all filled with the Holy Spirit as of that point that I stopped reading? Yes, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom. Mic drop. What is the important part? The important part is being filled with Holy Spirit. The person of Holy Spirit, that's what we're after. All it says they were filled with Holy Spirit. It does not say yet what happened because they were filled. So what are we, what are we supposed to emphasize? We're supposed to emphasize being filled with Holy Spirit. Then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now this is important because it's there. Now that what happened, they were all filled with Holy Spirit. Boom. So we get filled with Holy Spirit first. Once we get filled with Holy Spirit, now what began to happen? They began to speak with other tongues. That's in your Bible. Maybe you've never heard a sermon on that. Maybe you thought that was just Weirdsville, USA. He's like, who talks in tongues? I had a person come up to me one time. I was working in Evansville. And this lady said, are you, are you one of those people that speak in tongues? I said, yeah, aren't you? I'm like, I was... What, what, why is that so shocking? But now I get it. I understand. I wasn't raised in this. I think this will help some people. I wasn't raised in it. I wasn't taught this my whole life. I was actually taught against it my whole life. So for me to come into it and teach on it now, I'm going against what I was taught. But I began to study the Word, and I'm like, I can't unsee that. I can't unread that. How come? I remember a friend of mine that we got together, and we didn't even believe in pray, speaking in tongues. We got together and we prayed Acts 1 8. We were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. But we just didn't want the tongues. So we just prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. I was 14, 15 years old. It's like, well, I don't, I don't, that's not for me, but, I, but something was in me. And so as I kept reading, I, had, I read Acts 1-8, I want that. And then I went over to Acts 2, and I began to read this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's me, that's what I want. And they began to speak with other tongues. I'm not sure about that part. So when I say I'm not from that, I want you to understand, I understand with a person who says, eh. I was, eh. I was like, mm, not me. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm saved, I love Jesus, I'm going to heaven, that's all that matters. But God began drawing my heart to the more. He wasn't drawing me to tongues, he was drawing to me to Holy Spirit. I feel that drawing even now. 
that the person of Holy Spirit is what I wanted. I was weak, I was struggling, I was trying to be a good Christian, I was up, I was down, I was up, I was down, I was up, I was down, and I was like, Lord, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be something more for me. Where's this power? Where's this power you talked about? He said, it's right here, Chad, it's right here. I wanna fill you with Holy Spirit. So I asked, Lord, I said, Jesus, what do I need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He said in Luke, he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We were sitting around for Thanksgiving and we were asking for some suggestions from the kids. You know, it's Black Friday. And like, hey, we need some suggestions for Christmas. Great time to buy some stuff. Save, save a little money. When you guys meet kids, I do. You need all the discounts you can get. And, and they're just sending links. You know, nowadays, you used to circle pictures in a catalog. Now just texting links, right? And I'm thinking, when they're sending links, never once did I have a thought, well, you selfish little thing. How dare you ask for something from me? I told them to ask. And if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more? How much more will the Heavenly Father give a good gift of Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Who's the baptizer in Holy Spirit? Jesus. We love Jesus. We trust Jesus. Jesus is center of everything. And if He's the one who said, I baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, why are we not desiring to be baptized with Holy Spirit? I'll tell you why. Because people have taught against it wrongly and said that it passed away. That's not for us. That's only for those Pentecostal charismatic church. There's people in this meeting in Acts chapter 2 when they were gathered in one place. Let me just make sure and make this clear. This was not a Pentecostal gathering. This was a gathering of the church. Every church came out of this meeting. Every denomination came out of this meeting. And what happened when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit? Was there anyone there to teach them how to speak in tongues? No. Was there anyone there to make them speak in tongues? This was the most pure move of the Holy Spirit in history of humanity. They didn't even know what they were doing. They were just praying for the promise of the Father. And all of a sudden, these flames come upon their head. They're looking at their neighbor like, why do you got a fire on your head? Well, why do you got a fire on your head? I can't see my fire because it's above my head. What does that speak to? I had to believe that the fire on my neighbor's head was on my head. That speaks to individual faith. That my neighbor's faith in their receiving Holy Spirit won't work for me. I have to receive my own individual encounter with Holy Spirit. That the flame set on each of them and I could see it on others, but I can't see it on my own head. So what do I have to do? I had to believe that the same God who offered it to them is offering it to me. You have to believe that the same God who offered it to me, that I finally in Morgan Field, Kentucky, I believe there was a flame on my head. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. It went against everything I've ever been taught. And I said, Jesus, I can't take it anymore. I want anything you have for me. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what it makes because I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to run around. I didn't want to shake. I was pretty conservative. You may have find that hard to believe. 
But I didn't want to do any of that stuff. Like other people, well, they, they got the Holy Spirit. You know, I had a person, I went to a Pentecostal church one time, and, uh, and they were praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was wild. Wilder than this boy had ever seen. And I mean, they were shaking my mouth and shaking my stomach and telling me to receive and loose and hang on and Stu came up and grabbed me by the cheek, said, you just got to let it go, brother. I said, you better let go of my face. That's what I'll tell you, brother. <laughs> Why am I saying that? I'm saying because I can relate. I can relate, but, but when I studied the word, I couldn't get away from it. I, I couldn't get away from something gnawing me on the inside that there's more. I'm like, I don't want that, but I want more. I don't want what they're doing, Lord, but I want more. And he finally said, when are you going to stop telling me what to do? When are you going to yield to me and stop telling me how to come upon you and just pray that I will come upon you? <laughs> so I said, Lord, I did it, Morgan Field. I went forward and I said, Lord, I was scared. I know as soon as I say, okay, I'm going to start shaking around like a fish on the beach. I said, Lord, I yield. Come upon me, Jesus. I'm hungry for more, and I don't know what it's like, but I want it, and I know you've got it. I believe these scriptures. I believe, Jesus, that you came to baptize me with Holy Spirit. That much I can see in the Word of God. So today, I receive Jesus. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what was going to happen. Nothing happened. I thought, that's it? That's it? I was a little disappointed. Went back to my seat. All I'd said is just a little, little words. I thought, well, I'm supposed to speak in tongues. I don't believe in speaking in tongues, but they did in Acts chapter 2. So if they did, I should. All 120 of them did. So, Lord, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm open. I'll, I'll speak in tongues if you'll tell me what to say, if you'll give me the utterance, I'll speak in tongues. One of the most dying moments of my life. Why am I going through this? Because sometimes people think that other people just came naturally. Like I came out of the womb speaking in tongues. You don't know what warfare that was for me to just to go, she nananese. That was my first phrase. She nananese. I started to say it and I'm like, this is stupid. But I said, Lord, I'll do whatever. I went back to my seat trying to memorize Sheen and Anise. Like I can't forget it because that was Holy Spirit. I got it. I received by faith. I received by faith. Felt, felt nothing. I didn't have all the inner, I didn't want that. But then afterwards, I was jealous because I didn't get it. Go figure. <laughs> so then, here, let's just stop. Let's stop. I'll get into the stories. So why did Jesus take us through this? Here's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. Break down barriers of wrong teaching in our minds so that we can understand that Jesus, John the Baptist and Jesus both said that he would baptize us with Holy Spirit and fire. And that when he comes upon us, we would get power. 
not, the power is not so I'll shake and do whatever. The power is not just so I can speak in tongues. The power is to live for him. We need power because we need to do what he wants us to do, how he wants us to do it. Stop worrying about the manifestations of when he comes upon you and just say, Lord, just come upon me. Whatever happens, happens. I got to have you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.